It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up, the most athletic, high-ceiling players on the Vikings 90-man roster, plus a look at the Vikings 2024 draft picks after they traded Zadarius Smith. It's all coming up next on a special draft edition of the Football Party. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Back in the lab, another edition of the Football Party on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network, your daily breakdown, everything Minnesota Vikings, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. See that? That's Sam Ekstrom. He's on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sam, what's shaking? Did you stay up for that Twins game last night? West Coast 12-inning slugfest? You know I did. You I did love West not. Coast games. No, you I did. did I watched not. I watched every pitch. Wow. All the ones that were strikes, all the ones Elite. that were balls, all the ones that were called wildly incorrectly, all the fair balls that were called foul and the foul balls that were called fair. It was absurd. Um, very disappointing. And I'm tired. Trevor Larnick, though, got the hot bat as of late. Finally, a little juice in the lineup, it feels like here. So hopefully they can continue that. I figured only our guy Brandon Warren probably stayed up for that one. Still, that's just ridiculous time for us back in the central time zone. West Coast goes 12 innings. Good for you. A little quick golf clap for you. Well done. Uh, First things first, LockedOnPodcast.com slash newsletters. If you haven't already, Go sign up for the weekly NFL Draft newsletter. It's up on the Locked On homepage. Punch in your email. Get all the latest news and notes surrounding the NFL Draft. Go check it out and sign up for free today. Also, don't forget, this episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, let's dive into it, Sam. Dust is settled on this draft class now. Vikings 90-man roster, that's set. You got mini camp going on now. Got our first look at everyone in their new unis. We'll touch on all that right at the end in that third segment coming up. Get a little update from their time at TCO. But here's what I want to talk about today because I was listening to the Move the Sticks podcast yesterday, all right? Shout out DJ and Bucky Brooks, two of my faves. They were gushing about Chris Ballard in the Indianapolis Colts and how the draft they put together was all about the traits. That's Ballard's MO, always has been, always will be. The high upside players. And what I loved was Bucky Brooks compared it to the NBA and building a super team and how Anthony Richardson, for example, he's a lot like Giannis coming out. Big, physical, fast, high upside, freaky traits type of player. And with Ballard, It's never really been about the production or the tape in college, but instead it's more about the 
We just want to find the best athletes with the best natural God-given talent. And we, as coaches, we can teach them the skills to play at a higher level. That's exactly what you're seeing in the NBA playoffs right now, by the way. I mean, you look at all these teams who have skill-developing coaches. You got a shooting coach now, right? You got a ball-handling coach. You got a, a coach who works on the footwork for the post players, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I don't think the NFL thinks about the players and skill sets quite to that degree, but you do have more coaches and staff than we've ever had in the NFL right now. You got position coaches. He's got an assistant. That guy's got a backup. And then you even got specialists going now. You got a pass rush specialist, for example. So you look at the Colts draft the past few years. It is just off the charts, athletes, top to bottom, especially this year, you and I, we were both obsessed with the draft they put together. Anthony Richardson, Josh Downs, your guy, Julius Brents, my guy, Adebwari, Blake Freeland, the tackle from BYU. He broke multiple combine records. And now they got all the talent. Now it's up to the coaches to teach and develop all that raw talent. Uh, so you sit back now and you think, how good could that team be if the organization does their job, maximizes every player's unique skill set. And obviously, you're not going to hit on every single pick. Just doesn't happen. Doesn't work like that. But when you do hit on a couple of these guys, they aren't singles or doubles, speaking of the Twins last night. These are home run type of swings. And when you hit on one of these guys, you've now just found a near elite type of player you have an edge versus your opponent at that position or on that one-on-one -on -one matchup every game, every week. And it's just something I've slowly become extremely fascinated with the more I think about it more and more. Bringing it back to the NBA again, just full circle here before we start. It's all about the super teams in basketball now, right? You got guys like Giannis, 15th overall pick. Uh, Jokic, second rounder. I didn't know that. I had to look that up. Pick 41. Kawhi mm -hmm. Leonard coming out of San Diego State. Had all the traits, but hey, he's really raw. Goes 15th overall. All these guys would go, what, top two, top three in a redraft, Sam? Thinking of some more examples. Westbrook coming out of UCLA. Loaded with traits. Devin Booker for the Suns. 13th overall pick. Didn't play much. Didn't have all the tape as some other guys coming out, but all the traits, the high floor to mold. And now he's obviously, I mean, one of the biggest superstars in the entire league. So I'm intrigued. I love the Colts draft again this year with all the athletes. I love the mindset. I love the theory. Today, I think we should look at the Vikings' best and biggest athletes on the roster, go position by position, see what this Vikings coaching staff, I guess, is really working with. How does that sound? Sounds good. Let's do it, and uh, man, I want that Colts draft. Oh my! I love it so much. It's just crazy. I'm man. so in love. All right, all right. Let's stay focused. All right, let's, let's yeah, this don't go there. Let's leave out the like top shelf superstars. Like, let's take guys like JJ and maybe Darisaw, just for example, off the list. We already know Justin Jefferson is the Devin Booker of the NFL, and that's fun. That's great. But let's just dig a little bit further past the surface and let's start on the mm -hmm. offensive side of the ball, shall we, with the pass catchers, wideouts and tight ends, group them all together. Biggest athletes. I'm going to throw a quick honorable mention at new tight end Josh Oliver. Slowly has turned himself into the one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. But when he came out of San Diego State in the third round, he was a pure stand-up slot pass catching tight end. He couldn't block but he was one of the best natural pass-catching tight ends in the class. 
six foot five, two sixty, was the fourth most athletic tight end of that 2019 class. Ran a four six three, which for that size was tremendous. Thirty four inch vert, twenty two reps on the bench. This guy's a great athlete, and he has morphed into one of the better complete tight ends in the NFL. So. Quick shout-out to Josh Oliver, but I'm going to go with K.J. Osborne, believe it or not, and here's why. People forget or maybe assume because he's not the alpha number one big-bodied freak wideout that maybe he's not that athletic. Far from it, Sam. In fact, of all the wideouts in that 2020 class drafted, and there was over 30 of them, Osborne was ranked the sixth most athletic of them all. He ran in the four fours off the charts, 10 yard split with a one four seven, which just for quick comparison, that would have been the second fastest 10 yard split in the entire combine this year tied with DJ Turner, the cornerback from Michigan. His jumps were great. 38 inch vert, 10 foot three broad rock solid shuttle drills, even put up 18 reps at the bench at only 200 pounds. So KJ Osborne didn't get a ton of love from that combine, but across the board, just up and down, he was rock solid and impressed in every single one of his workouts. And I think he's far more athletic than I think people realize. And obviously he gets lost in the shuffle quite a bit behind JJ and now Jordan Addison as well. But you started to see a little bit last year, uh, some flashes last season, his true potential game winner versus Detroit. He's gotten better and better every year of his career. And he really caught fire the last four weeks of the year last season averaged on average, Six and a half catches per game, 90 yards received per game. On average, the last four weeks of the 2022 season. So you got year four coming up. Uh, and now I think the best part about this whole uh, wide receiver room, he can slide back into that wide receiver three where I think he's at his best. K.J. Osborne, arguably the most athletic pass catcher of this group, pound for pound, that doesn't get talked about a ton from an athletic profile. And you think about the trio now too here, Sam. J.J.? Addison, who just throw that stopwatch away with Jordan Addison because the kid's play speed on the field is just lightning in a bottle. I know he didn't run a blazing 40 time, came out later, he was dealing with a back injury, but then those two plus Osborne, that's a lot of athleticism in this wide receiver room. That's for sure. Athletic pass catcher, who you got? Yeah, so <clears throat> the Vikings don't necessarily have a burner at wide receiver. Justin Jefferson's a 4-4-3. I believe that's the best of any pass catcher. Um, Naylor, Rager, Osborne, and Addison are all between 4-4-7 and 4-4-9. I think Rager has the most intriguing profile to me because he's not big. Um, his vertical is 42 inches, Luke. His broad jump is 11 feet. 40-yard um, dash, 4-4-7 crazy but then his his agility his shuttle his three cone terrible his 10 yard split terrible so he was very good at specific drills but not the comprehensive uh you know the the comprehensive profile that you might expect i think osborne is a good one i don't think that the vikings tight ends ellipson hawkinson not necessarily known for his athleticism he's more about his size his hands um you know, beyond Jefferson, I think you can make a great argument for Osborne. You can make a great argument for Rager and maybe even Addison, man. I mean, Addison doesn't have the testing profile, but I think he's he's got it on tape. If you watch his ability to subtly manipulate his his movements and his feet, the way he runs routes, 
you just he screams athleticism just naturally. So even though the numbers may not be there to support it, I think Addison may end up being the top athlete in this room beyond Jefferson. It's not so much about one individual guy, I think, when you look at this wide receiver room and the tight ends when you combine all the pass catchers. Obviously, J.J., again, the Devin Booker, right, of the NFL, he's a freak. But uh, you just pull them all together. The only thing that they're really missing, because it's not the athleticism or the speed. You're right, they don't have that Deshaun Jackson 4-3 burner over the top. Okay, but uh, the athleticism is there. They're just missing that big-bodied alpha number one type of go up and get it right above the rim pass catcher Malik Knowles Kansas State UDFA that's our guy write that name down um listen offensive line I don't think we need to spend a ton of time here let's just say Darisaw he's kind of already proven how athletic he is right Brian O'Neill and Ezra Cleveland were both ranked in the top five athletically among their peers when they came out in 2018 and 2019, according to next-gen stats. And even Ed Ingram ranked in the 99th percentile last season in the 10-yard split. So great get-off, great lower body explosion. Um, so if you want to give us a deep dive on one of them, by all means, but I'll just say in general, this is truly one of the more athletic offensive line units in the league right now. Well, Rick Spielman had a type. Mm-hmm. Rick Spielman was all about light agile, mobile offensive lineman. And that For Kubiak, right? Does the wide zone running scheme kind of thing? Light well, it agile. Goes, it goes back to, to even pre Kubiak though. Cause Garrett Bradbury mm-hmm. was, was part of that. Brian O'Neill was part of that in 2018, right? So 2018 O'Neill comes out, has some tight end experience. I remember seeing O'Neill actually catching passes in his early OTAs. He was with the tight ends. They had him catching passes, dude. Um, six, seven, and he ran a 4.82, just a phenomenal combine. Brian, and, and it worked out great, right? Brian O'Neill, he put on the weight, he kept the agility. O'Neill worked out wonderfully. And then Bradbury, who had the, the super athletic profile, didn't really hand, like he didn't add enough size to really handle some of those NFL nose tackles, right? So that, that didn't work out in the Vikings' favor. Um, did Bradbury you know, play tight end too, like first year in NC State? You know, I, I can't confirm that. Bradbury was a baseball player. Like Brad, Bradbury right. was a multi-sport athlete in high school, um, and he's really never hovered much beyond 300 pounds. He's always been light, uh, you know, very kind of trimmed down. Not a, he's not a big guy. He doesn't mm-hmm. look that like that big of a guy, but um, you know, that's there's been plenty of knocks on him for that over the years. I'm trying to think of a younger Viking though who might have upside as an athlete. Um, you know, we liked Ole Udo coming out. I don't know if that really panned out. Vidarian Lowe, what's his profile look like? Mo- most of these guys are veterans and kind of established. Um, so I can't think of anyone who's kind of on the rise who might have those traits. No, you're right. Ole Udo, you know, if we could rewind three years, he would have been the guy that we were still drooling over. Now, obviously, they try the experiment at right guard, didn't really pan out. Still a, a solid backup swing tackle, still in the younger half of his career, but um, just inconsistent at best. But when you look at the tools and the traits, man, him coming out of Elon College in the seventh round, another Rick Spielman kind of throw the dart up on the board with all these seventh round picks. You look back for a seventh round pick to find a rotational swing tackle. I mean, I think you're going to take that more times than not. I think with the starters, though, 
at this point now, really, you just hope and pray Brian O'Neill makes you know a full and speedy recovery back from that Achilles injury and just looks like the same guy once he actually gets out on the field. Uh, how about running backs? Because, I mean, we've all assumed Dalvin, he's not going to be on the team post-June 1st now. So you got Madison, Ty, Ken A, and now the rookie, Dwayne McBride, who you know you and I both love as our first and second down kind of monster. Uh, I give a slight edge to Ken A over Ty Chandler personally here mm-hmm. because – Kenne at his pro day, not the combine, but the pro day, was an absolute track star. He ran a 4-3-1 with a 1-4-5 10-yard split, which is out of this world. I mean, that would have been the fastest of this class by two one-hundredths of a second over Demario Davis, the TCU wide receiver who was drafted by the Chargers. Um, had great jump numbers, 38-inch vert, 10-5 broad, 6-8-3 cone. That would have been top five fastest in this year's group, again, among any position, not just running backs. And then he throws up 22 bench reps uh, on top of it at 210 pounds. Kenny's a baller, man. I mean, he's got the turbo button when he gets going. He needs to be involved in this offense more this year. We've seen the dynamic presence in the return game, and that's why KOC, I think, just needs to find a way to get the ball in this dude's hands. Ty Chandler, I don't know what you think, but honorable mention for sure. Got to be mentioned at least. Ran a 4-3-8-40. Really wild KOC to the point where he used an early day three pick on him last year, even with... Dalvin Cook, Madison, and Kenna on the roster last year. So two premium athletes, I think, in the Vikings' backfield for KOC to work with in 2023. What's your thoughts on this running back uh, situation? Yeah, undoubtedly, Kenna's got the full package as an athletic profile. If you're looking at speed, agility, explosiveness, he's got all three. Chandler is a straight-line speed guy, and we, do, we haven't fully seen what he's capable of doing on a football field. Now, Kenna seems to have a very specific set of skills. He's the track guy, right? Like you said, he's a track star, and he actually is. Like he was a track guy at at Iowa State, um, and for sure in high school, where I think he set state records. Uh, Kenne uses that on special teams to get from one end zone to the other and take it 100 yards. Ty Chandler doesn't quite have the agility, the explosiveness from a testing standpoint, but he might be a better running back than Kenne Wangwu. It seems like the team really prefers him as that number two to Alexander Madison this year. So I can't wait to see what he can do. I mean, 4-3-8, that's nothing to blush at, even though it's not quite Kenne speed. That's really, really fast. And if he can pair that with some strength in the run game, I think Chandler could be the back of the future for the Vikings. Yeah, so Isaiah Pacheco, right, at the Combine last year. No-namer from Rutgers, runs the fastest 40 of any running back. He obviously goes on to have this killer rookie year, wins the Super Bowl with the Chiefs. In fact, I I think he's a big reason everyone's kind of moving towards these running back by committee rotations now. Hey, I can find these guys in the seventh round. Anyways, Pacheco runs the fastest with a 4-3-7, tied with Pierre Strong, if you remember. Shout out, Brookings, South Dakota, Jackrabbits. He gets drafted by New England, doesn't play much last year but who's the third fastest not Brees Hall not Kenneth Walker not James Cook Ty Chandler 438 I mean the dude can scoot like you said he's got wheels and again we know KOC kind of handpicked this guy for a reason so like you I think we're all just 
we're just awfully excited to see how they deploy this running back by committee rotation. Once we're in the thick of the season, I think they're going to start with Madison, a healthy dose, 70, 80% of the touches and carries those first four or five weeks. But after that, I think it's anybody's game. It's just how it depends on, you know, how these guys look at practice and so forth as well. Um, I think we can skip the quarterbacks. Not much there. I think we'd both give the nod probably to Jaron Hall over Kirk Cousins, over Nick Mullins. No shocker there. So coming up, we'll flip to the defensive side of the ball. But first, quick reminder, don't forget, we're presented by FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On, America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the MLB. Twins continue their series with the Dodgers tonight. Bailey Ober on the mound. He's taking on Clayton Kershaw. You can get the Twins plus 180 tonight over under, currently sitting at eight. Get in on all the action at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. And remember, if you're a new customer, try out the No Sweat First Bet. Up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Download the easy-to-use FanDuel app. Get your winnings instantly. Money lines, parlays, prop bets. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire MLB season. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of LockedOn. All right, Sam, let's continue to rifle through the best athletes on the Vikings roster, going position by position, slip over to the defensive side of the ball in the trenches. Kenny Willekes, Michigan State, two-time captain. Write that name down, though. Tell your friends, Mm -hmm. sixth most athletic combine tester in 2020, according to Next Gen Stats. But if I'm including the edge rushers, which I am, this doesn't come as a shocker. I got to roll with Daniil Hunter. I know he's been plagued by injuries, but when healthy – it's, he's an absolute, I don't know, Greek god. Is that the best way to, to uh, describe this man? Six Adonis. Foot five. Yeah, yeah, 255. Ran in the four fives at that size, which is just off the charts. Everyone knew when he came out, he was one of the most physically gifted pass rushers in that class. It was just a matter of tapping into you know that raw ball of clay and molding his technique, giving him a pass rush plan. Zimmer obviously thought he could do it with the help of Andre Patterson. They unlocked the beast, if you will. And you've seen when he's on, I mean, there's just not many athletic pass rushers quite like Daniil Hunter. A true Pro Bowl type of player when healthy. Daniil Hunter, I think, without a doubt, pound for pound, the most athletic player in the Vikings front seven. Agree? Disagree? You got another name to fling out there. No, that that's obviously the number one answer. And yeah. I think it's a far drop until the next most athletic guy might be DJ Wanham. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Wanham kind of is who he is at this point. I don't know if in year four, he's suddenly going to turn a corner and, and become kind of that, that lanky athletic piece that we hoped he could. Not everybody can be Daniil Hunter, but DJ Wanham, 473, that's really good. Um, 35-inch vert. 10-foot broad jump for his size. That's all very, very good. Has it translated? No. Do I think he'll be on the roster beyond this year? No. But he's probably number two on the defensive line, and and you can't necessarily lump the edges with the defensive tackles, but there there aren't a lot of specimens 
in that group that I'm I'm salivating about right now. Let's put it that way. No, well said. I mean, we talked a lot about the cold strap this year and all the freak athletes. That's exactly the kind of pick Daniil was for the Vikings at that time. Huge reach at the time. Guy only had one and a half sacks his final year coming out of LSU. But it was the traits. It was the physical profile. The raw potential was all there. And it doesn't always work out. doesn't always pan out, right? But when you hit on a guy like that in the third round, no less, it can change your entire defense in a heartbeat. And it kind of did. I mean, it really helped put the Vikings over that hump in a big way, especially in the pass rushing department. Kenny Willekes, I know I also mentioned him. I love him. And then Calvin Avery, the UDFA nose tackle from mm-hmm. Illinois. Don't forget about him. Six foot one, 345 pounds, 31 bench reps, and a 31-inch vert. So he's got the power and lower leg explosion you love to see as well. He was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, ninth-ranked defensive tackle in the country, according to Rivals.com. So just excited to see all these guys in training camp as well. All right, linebacker Sam, Brian Asamoa. Hasn't seen the field much yet, but when he's you know actually gotten some playing time, the guy looks like an absolute heat-seeking missile out there. Exactly what he was known for coming out of Oklahoma. I know he was clocked at 4.56 or whatever, but on the field, you just watch the tape, he's got legitimate 4-4 play speed. I mean, you can just see it on film. He's a tremendous athlete. He's been outstanding out in space, and arguably, I think his best trait is blitzing. Uh, He's so explosive, dynamic blitzer, and I think Brian Flores is going to unlock this guy's best traits and maximize his potential, specifically on third down, getting him into the backfield any way he can. He's going to be a lot of fun, Sam. What do you think? Yeah, it's it was obvious pretty quickly, and I know you were out at training camp watching as well. He just plays fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Vikings have drafted undersized linebackers in previous years with Chaz Surratt, Troy Dye. They, they haven't been able to touch what Brian Asamoah did in just one training camp. I mean, you could tell he was a player. Uh, you could tell that he was going to make an impact. And we talked about it all summer on the football machine. We said Brian Asamoah is going to play key snaps for this team. And he did. He worked his way into the lineup. And in fact, he he halfway replaced Jordan Hicks in some of those big games. So his trajectory is off the charts. And you're right. Like th- these guys have kind of these 40 times. But who can translate that to wearing pads and playing on the field? And Brian Esimo clearly carries the pads well, as they like to say in evaluator circles. Can't wait to see what he can do this year. Uh, I think he's easily the number one linebacker in in terms of like high upside athlete. It's off the charts. Yeah, absolutely. How about the secondary? I kind of had a tough time with this one because Vikes drafted a lot of, I guess you'd call them non-traditional athletes this year, right? Makai Blackman, Jay Ward back there. I thought Lewis Seen, okay, maybe Lewis Seen. Yeah, pretty solid combine numbers. Kalen Barnes, he's the track star. He ran that 4-2-3 coming out in Indy. But I think top to bottom, the best athlete back there is Andrew Boot Jr. Didn't run at the Combine or Pro Day, but he was clocked and reported to run a 4.38 at Clemson at one point, which is outstanding for his size. You see him on film. He's got true number one cornerback shutdown potential someday to the point where you can leave this guy out on an island. He kept up with all the fastest wideouts he went against in the ACC. He's quick. He's twitchy. I mean, there isn't a ton of freak athletes back in the secondary, Sam, but Booth, I think, has the most potential from a physical standpoint. His only problem right now has just been staying healthy. But if he can, 
he could be a huge piece of this secondary for a long time, and that would be a huge hit on Kwesi's report card. Uh, guy in the secondary, best athlete. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't know if we can even count Kalan Barnes. I don't know if he can play, um, but he did run a 4-2-3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he does have that going for him. I don't think he's going to make this team. I just don't think he has the the technique or the, you know, the the football skills to do it. But he is definitely a specimen. Um, Caleb Evans, like Caleb Evans, ran a four four six. Uh, you know, at that size, at six two, that's a really really good time. Broad jump, you know, ten feet nine inches vertical, thirty six inches. Like he he had a lot of good testing. And I think we saw him translate that nicely to the field in his rookie year. So Evans is kind of that one corner you have that he's got the size that you want. He's got six two wingspan going on. Um, I'm really optimistic about Evans' future. I think he's got some tools. No, I like that. A lot of young corners, uh, just like this entire defense, Sam. Just kind of roll the dice, throw them all in a hat, and see what pops out, see what sticks to the wall here for Brian Flores. So, you know, after hearing all those athletes we just ripped off on the roster, what's your biggest takeaways, I guess? Because for me, I think think two things. When you look at this group of wideouts and running backs now, uh, this offense has the potential, Sam, I think, to be special. Like... We're talking top three in the league in multiple categories type of special. Such a dynamic group of athletic playmakers on that side of the ball now with obviously Kevin O'Connell calling the shots. And then two, you know, we just spoke about that defense. Brian Flores, I think with his track record, former head coach, defensive savant, comes from the Bill Belichick tree. I think he's going to tap into some of these young, raw talents that we really haven't seen a ton from yet. We really don't know what's going on about some of these guys. He's going to turn one or two of them into legitimate playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. I think Osamo is probably the easy answer there. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But maybe a guy like Kenny Willekes, Andrew Booth, Lewis Seen, there's a lot of raw athletic ability for him to come in, turn things around, and get this defense back to respectability again. Question is... I mean, how long does it take? The other thing, too, you brought up kind of a a good point. The NFL now, you don't get a ton of practice time anymore, right? Just with the rules and regulations. So as a coach, you not only have to be maximizing your time on the field with these guys, but you got to be really smart about what you're doing. All right, we got 60 minutes in pads. We got 90 minutes in pads. We got to get every minute. We got to soak up every single second we can out of developing and progressing these guys. You just really don't know, Sam. I mean, it's one thing to see him out on the field, get a little taste. All right, what numbers are you wearing? All right, jersey looks good. Okay, he's a big dude. But you just don't know what these trench guys uh, until you actually put the pads on and hear those pads pop. So going to be interesting to see, again, with so many young guys, how this coaching staff really takes hold and tries to develop a lot of these young core players that are going to play pivotal roles in 2023. Um, All right. Last quick one here, Sam. Mini camp underway. Vikings players, again, out on the field in their new jerseys. Were you out there at TCO at all? Did you see any of these guys in action? Or uh, if not, did you hear any, I don't know, news or notes you can share with us? Any sources or outlets that you may have? Anything to report from Vikings uh, minicamp? All right. So they had three days of minicamp, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Media was invited one of those days. And that Mm -hmm. was a day where I was at the doctor with my Mm two-year-old. So I wasn't there in person, but... The reports out of there were that Andre Carter really stood out, which I think was a concern be- that about his like 
is he physically ready to compete? Mm-hmm. Uh, people were, were worried about uh, maybe he's a little too thin. Maybe he needs to add some weight. Maybe the, you know, stepping up in class from Army to the NFL, maybe that's a little too big a step. And it sounds like he kind of held his own, at least in a rookie camp setting. It is difficult to stand out, I think, in, in like you said, when you're not really full contact. But little piece of breaking news. From that rookie camp, the Vikings have signed two players, Luke. So clearly they saw something from Zach OGL, um, a Minnesota Duluth product. Fullback tight end hybrid, right? And what does that mean, Luke? That means they have two UMD grad. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, not, not UMD grads. Ham is from Duluth and went to Augustana. And OGL went to Duluth. So you've got two Duluth connections at fullback now, which is crazy. Um, that's my hometown, by the way, Duluth, Minnesota. Rep them. And the Vikings have signed Sam Schluter, offensive lineman who went to Minnesota. Gophers. In college, Victoria, Minnesota native. So you got some serious Minnesota local connections from the rookie camp uh, that are now on the roster. Yeah, and Ben Ellison, I believe, is a Minnesota native as well. So maybe four Minnesota boys on the Minnesota Vikings roster. Pretty cool. You know, if I was going to say, all right, Sam, here's the one thing I want you to go watch if you go out to minicamp, it'd be Jaron Hall, right? I'm sure he's probably the talk of the towner. All eyes were on him. I think KOC got up to the podium after one of those practices when the media was available, as you mentioned, and maybe it was Ben Gessling, I believe, asked him, hey, what do you think about Jaron Hall? And I think he kind of leaned into, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Maybe I spend a little bit too much time watching him, but think about it. This is his first quarterback he's drafted. This is his baby. He's got a side project now going on outside of running the entire ship, the entire show for the Vikings in the 2023 season. Um, It's going to be very interesting to watch Jaron Hall's progression after the Kellen Mond failure. Mike Zimmer didn't really feel like he was giving Kellen Mond a lot of love, did it, right away? Uh, It almost feels like like a complete 180 or polar opposite uh, situation for Jaron Hall that he's walking into compared to Kellen Mond. So all good things, I think, being drafted by KOC, being handpicked by him. And I'm just very curious and interested, again, just to watch the development and progression of Jaron Hall throughout these mini camps, OTAs, training camp, preseason, you name it. I think he's going to get a, a lot of valuable playing time. And I'm interested to see how quickly he can get up to speed in Kevin O'Connell's playbook. I have heard kind of like just just some some whispers and rumblings about you know mm-hmm. why the Vikings took Jaron Hall what they like about Jaron Hall um and I thought that some of the rationale that I've heard coming from the team about quarterbacks of that size and uh and why they're actually not you know really concerned about the size at all it's because when you are that size you've grown up that size and you've learned to play at that size um so Jaron Hall has perfected the skill of kind of moving his feet subtly in the pocket to find those throwing windows. He's learned to have vision downfield where he has to kind of see through guys to find those gaps in the coverage. He's just very accustomed to do it. Whereas when you're taller and you're younger, you might not have that problem until you get to the NFL. And then suddenly there's all these tall trees in front of you that are blocking your vision. Jaron Hall has always been disadvantaged with his size and has learned to play that way. And, uh, and the Vikings feel like, He's very accustomed and comfortable playing at six feet tall at the quarterback position. So I think there's some concerns about his arm strength, but everything else about him is 
pretty pretty impressive. And you look at some of the throws he was able to make and the way he was able to move at BYU. Um, he is an exciting prospect. I, I'm really excited for training camp, even if it's just a battle for the backup job. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. You know, you bring up uh, that smaller stature, the tight windows he's got to throw into. That was the hot topic of conversation about Bryce Young, the number one mm-hmm. overall pick for months and months. Got all these crazy instincts. He's a playmaker, uh, team leaders, got the arm strength, but the size was such a polarizing topic of conversation, complete opposite of Anthony Richardson. But again, going to be interesting to see a, a guy like that who's at that size, at that position, has never gone number one overall, similar to a Jaron Hall, just in stature. And again, remember, too, this is why you hired and brought in KOC. It's all about the quarterback and the offense, right? You wanted him to eventually handpick and groom and develop a quarterback for the future post Kirk Cousins era. So uh, not saying Jaron Hall is going to be de facto guy moving forward once Kirk Cousins moves on from Minnesota. But, you know, it's kind of entertaining, I think, Sam, in the background for him to know he's got a project on the side and that's going to be his baby to see what he can do with Jaron Hall. Um, I'm assuming you guys on the uh, football party yesterday talked about or touched on Zadarius Smith just a little bit. I just want to give you guys a quick Mm -hmm. update now. The Vikings draft picks – They got their first next year. They got their second. No third rounder. That's given to Detroit for the TJ Hawkinson deal, but Detroit gives us their fourth rounder. So no third, two fourths, two fifths. This is how the fifths work out. They got two fifths, one for the trade back with KC in this year's draft. So they got an extra fifth there. Uh, They got Cleveland's fifth for the Zadarius Smith trade, and then they lost their own fifth round pick from Sam. Go ahead, tell him. Uh, Jalen Rager trade. Jalen Rager, yeah. So a lot of movement. <laughs> but bottom line, no third, two-fourths, though, and two-fifths. They got their sixth. No seventh-round pick. Can't remember where that went. One, one second, one second. I'm seeing, is it possibly three-fifths? I'm seeing the Zadarius fifth, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Now, hold on here. Why is from Browns? You know, I'll, I'll sort this out off air. I'm a little confused by the website. Let's just go with two-fifths. That sounds good. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, I know they got the the fifth from Cleveland for Zadarius. I know they mm-hmm. got a fifth from Kansas City. Remember when they were on the clock in the fourth yeah. and they moved all yep. the way back to the yep. end of the fourth? So that'll be a late fifth rounder right there. Um, but granted, they do have two-fifths as of now, two-fourths, no third, a sixth, and no seventh. And on tankathon.com, which has always been a super reliable website, uh, no seventh. That is currently in possession by the Las Vegas Raiders. So I don't remember any trades or transactions yeah. that went down with the Raiders. Top of that my head. That was Mullins. Nick Mullins' oh, deal. Beautiful. And, well and the done. Raiders actually gave that then to the Cowboys. So it's now a Cowboys pick. Very interesting. Well done. Well played. I hope you text me in about an hour and a half when you, you do a little bit more deep digging. You say, no, they got three fifths. But right now, Philly, as of now, does have our. I think you're right. I think it's two for Jalen Rager. So a little quick update on next year's draft picks. Again, just kind of interesting to see if they can get any extra ammo for Dalvin Cook because the more and more they stockpile, even these day three picks, just means you got a little bit more ammo. If next year you do want to move up, package a big deal and move all the way up into the top 10, top five for maybe the next quarterback post Kirk Cousins era. Going to be interesting. Quick one before we get out of here. What's your favorite game on the schedule? 
I mean, I, I'm sure everybody's just going to mm-hmm. say the Chiefs at home, and that makes sense. You can't go wrong with that. A lot of primetime games, five, possibly seven. Two could get flexed near the end, Detroit and Cincy. Is it the Chiefs? And if it is the Chiefs, what's your second favorite game mm-hmm. on the schedule? Yeah, yeah. I, I know how this works. You know, there, I don't like to be the obvious guy. I don't want to just say what everyone else is saying. So I'm not going to say You want to go chalk. I'm going to go two weeks after that. Um, 49ers coming to town on a Monday night. This is really when the season heats up. Late October, leaves are falling, football weather. You got prime time. You got an NFC perennial power coming in. Don't know who the quarterback's going to be. doesn't matter. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Um, at this point, I think you could maybe consider the Vikings. You could probably safely project the Vikings could be 4-2 because they've got the Bucks, the Panthers, the Bears. If you win one those games and one more, you're 4-2 coming into primetime against the 49ers. That's a team that you could very well be competing with from a tiebreaker standpoint late in the year. Um, that's going to be a big game. Uh, I'm excited for that a lot. That's going to be awesome. No, that's a good one. Everybody's just glossing over and just writing off the Arizona Cardinals. Well, August 26th, Sam, all right, at the bank, preseason, week three. Uh, are you kidding me? Uh, I mean, uh, lock your tickets up now, man. Darren Hall show. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, You know, everybody's just assuming. I, I hear everybody go, all right, go through the schedule, win, loss, win. Okay. Everybody's just chalking up a win versus the Chargers. I'm not so sure about that, man. I'm excited, and I've been enamored with the Chargers offense specifically ever since Justin Herbert took that big step with Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. We'll see what happens with him. And now a guy that a lot of Vikings fans were hoping the Vikings would draft, Quinton Johnston in that offense. I'm just excited for this matchup. Remember, 2009, last time the Chargers were here in Minnesota, Adrian Peterson, fireworks 296 yards Antonio Cromartie runs a 109 field goal kick that was short back to the house breaks a record unbelievable back and forth game Vikings end up winning an absolute thriller AP breaks all sorts of records but I I think we're in for another really fun game two great offenses and you just don't get to see a guy as special as Justin Herbert a young elite quarterback in the league up close and personal on your home turf, obviously playing in the AFC like they are. So I like the Chargers. Chiefs, an easy one. Love that you mentioned the 49ers. Remember the last time Vikes and the Niners played on Monday Night Football? Do you remember? 2015, Zim's second year, week one. Oh, absolute blowout. Yeah, absolutely. Also, your cousin's first game as a Viking. That's right. At, at the Is bank. that right? Yeah. Uh, 2015? 20, 2018. Was that 2018? Okay. 2018. I'm thinking of 2015 Zimmer's second year. So they played on Monday night. They played the Niners again on Monday night after that. Yeah, Korea. You're talking about the game where they just got smoked and everyone panicked. And then yeah. the Vikings won the division. And and everybody was crowning that 49ers uh, rookie head coach. Uh, he looked like Did the he, 49ers win another game that year? I don't I mean, think so. They were so bad. They were that was terrible. such an inexcusable loss. They, they were terrible. Vikings ended up winning double digits that year. So um, yeah. they turned things around. So you can't overreact. Always want to come away in week one with a dub for sure. But 
just can't overreact too much early in the season. Vikes could be down three games going into week 16. You got two games with the Lions right there and then and one with the Packers. I mean, anything can happen right at the end of the year. So going to be very fun, very interesting to follow this schedule up and down. Uh, did you uh, throw out a final uh, yearly projection at all? Did we do that on the Ron Johnson show? On the, uh, excuse me, on the roundtable on Friday with Reggie Wilson? What was your final year pr- uh, projection for the Vikings? Yeah, where did I end up? I, I think that I ended up 11 and six because I I said eight and four by and then a three and two finish and I believe Luke you were seven and five by and a yes. three and two finish so you had him at ten and ten seven. and seven I had him losing on the road at Soldier and at Lambo and I think Ron Johnson is still recovering from his heart attack that he had he couldn't believe that the Vikings would go into Soldier and Lambeau and lose those games. I'm he like, thinks right. that Reggie's nine and eight was a like an I like a hot spicy right. take, but that's that's the over under. The over under is eight and a half. Reggie was over mm-hmm. a hot take, I think. And Luke, I don't rule anything out, you know, in the NFL. Yeah. I, I think that you could you could realistically say that it's a seven and ten team. Like based on the defense, if if they were seven and ten. I would not be surprised. I don't think that's what's going to happen because the offense is too good, but that would not shock me if things went poorly. And, you know, Kirk Cousins' contract year, maybe he takes a step back. Nothing would surprise me. Uh, I think you always start in the division first and foremost, right? You hear all the coaches and players say, uh, before the Super Bowl, we just want to win the division. Everybody in this division, Packers, Lions, and Bears, all got better. All got better. I mean, yes, Packers are going to figure out here real quick. Packers got Jordan. better? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I do. Was Aaron Rodgers good last year? Is he even good anymore? We'll oh. see about Jordan Love. You're right. Okay, I'll pump the brakes. You're right. That was a hot take. Yeah. Outside of the quarterback for the Packers, every team got better. The Lions got significantly better. Did the Vikings get any better, Sam? Did they get no. better? No. Did they stay the same or did they get worse? worse? They're worse. So I, I mean, but the coordinator could be everything. It's all literally Flores is 100%. the most important person in the organization right now. Well said. We'll leave it at that. Well said, Sam. Brian Flores, big job to do, big shoes to fill. But if there's anybody that could do it, turn this defense around. It'd be Brian Flores. All right. Great stuff per usual, Sam. That's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode of The Football Party. It's your one-stop shop breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. Don't forget, we're a podcast, too, free and available. All platforms, subscribe. Drop us that five-star review. Find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. And just look out for our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. Thanks for tuning in to the Football Party, part of Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. We're back tomorrow with the Mailbag Edition with Reggie Wilson. But until then, I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Signing out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.